This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Good morning, and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Woolsey, just about 8.01. I think we're kind of early today, it seems like, but uh, welcome to Smart Investing Show. Again, I am Brent Woolsey, here every Saturday morning talking about your money. The economy, investing, and how to make your net worth grow. And with me is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. We timed that just perfectly, didn't we? <laughs> we timed it just well. Yes, we did. <laughs> well, we got a lot, lot to talk about today. And as always, uh, we take your phone call, talking about uh, what you want to talk about, giving that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion on what you want to talk about. Phone numbers 866-577-2473. That's 866-577. 2473, but we always cover a few things here that were important last uh, week in the market. Uh, let's start off with, um, well, let's talk about how you're feeling like your stocks <laughs> went nowhere in, in September, except down. That's because, well, they did. This September was a worse September dating back to 2011, 10 years ago. Uh, but don't despair. If you hold good quality businesses with strong fundamentals, so good valuations will get you through if you're patient. Yeah, and a couple numbers to kind of expand on on that topic a little bit further. I mean, we saw the first 5% decline mm-hmm. in 227 trading days. And it's like, what? We went down? You know? <laughs> and 5% still still not much. But the thing is, you look at it, only six times in the history of the S&P 500 has there been a longer stretch without a 5% pullback? So if you're panicking over this, this is not normal to see this type of stretch without this type of volatility. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. So don't panic over it. It's normal. It's a healthy pullback. You could see what I'm going to say, a healthy correction, which is a 10% decline. Don't panic over that if we see it. I still, I don't think we're going to see a correction just yet because I think there's still too much money in the economy to kind of create that floor, as we've been talking about. Could happen. Not going to make any different changes on it, though. And it's not only that. When you watch uh, the business news, you see these pundits on there. Oh, well, it's down. I'm buying now. You're down 3 4%. I mean, and, and this is the attitude that they have, is that there's a lot of people that don't really know how to invest and understand what's going on, so they're immediately coming back in. And that will happen for a while, but eventually they have no more cash left to go into, and then things will, will go down further. And, and, and this is why this happens. And, and I, I enjoy it as much as the next guy. It's great not having to worry about, oh, clients going to call because they're down you know, 10 15% of the portfolio, which does and will happen, and you cannot avoid it. I just love the phone calls. Well, if I cash in now, I can buy back when things are lower and then write it back up. You don't know where the bottom is. You don't know when to buy back in. I was going to say, you're right. That is true. If you do that, <laughs> you're right. That is the right way to do it. But it's impossible. If you could do that, you'd make 100%, more than 100% every single year. If you could time the ups and downs, like 
Yeah. I mean, you'd avoid the big pullbacks, then you'd get all the excess of the, the upside. It's just not possible to do. And, and, and in theory, yeah, if you knew when it happens, but you just don't know. And, that, and that's the thing you have to realize. And that's why your famous investors like Warren Buffett never did it. Because, and, and, and I've seen people like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of funny. The people that suggest it are the people that don't have a lot of money. Because I think they've tried it throughout the years and it doesn't work. And I don't know why they think this time would be different. You're far better just riding through with a, the, the, the good companies you bought at good prices. And it doesn't mean, they're again, they're not going to go down. They will go down. But they will come back above and beyond. And you cannot time the market. We've known this for years. But it's kind of one of the things we talk about in our workshop. Everybody thinks they can time the market and, and, and do well with it. And you can't. No. So. It's impossible. And, and I did want to kind of touch one more thing. So, uh, you know, it wasn't just the S&P 500 that did see a decline in the month of September. Uh, you know, that actually, we did see the NASDAQ fall and the Dow Jones fall as well. They all saw 5% pullbacks, but it wasn't just in the month. Actually, for the entire quarter, the Dow and the NASDAQ actually both had losing mm -hmm. quarters for the first time in five quarters. And the S&P, they kept that streak alive <laughs> with a 0.2% gain for the sixth positive quarter so uh you know it, it does seem like the last few months we just kind of been trading in this range that that is it's just going nowhere and that's one other thing too is we might not see correction but we just might not see a lot of appreciation because yeah. things are expensive but there's also as you said a lot of cash so there's two kind of ways to to counteract i think that this activity is you, you can't go i mean i guess in theory you could go up to 30 times earnings and we saw that during the tech bust, yeah. and we saw how that happened. But it's just not, I think, a likely scenario as well. Yeah, I don't think that will happen uh, this time. I think we're pretty much to reach the top for the high flyers. But there, there are underneath, and we've seen things like energy. Energy's turned around. There, there's things in the market that are good valuations you can buy and be patient with them uh, and not worry. And we've talked so many times. I, I, I think everybody's going to know what I'm going to say is that how the S&P 500 – about, what is it, 23, 24% is based off of about five companies, which actually some of those companies have pulled back a little bit, so maybe it's changed a yep. little bit. But uh, we talked, I forget where it was at, but how we have a company that's growing like at 10%, projected to grow 10% you know, in the future years, but I think Apple, I mean, their growth, and you look at it, it's not- it I think as you said, we looked at it last week, I think it was like 1% next yeah. year, and then the, even the growth going forward is pretty subdued. Yeah, and the higher you go, the harder it is to grow more. And that's the thing people don't realize. Everything has its peak. And oh, but we love Apple. I think Apple did fall below 140 this past yeah, week. Yeah, it did. I don't know if it closed that or not. But, um, and even at that level, people, oh, time to buy. You know, the high was like 157. I know. I mean, you, you talk about these financial pundits. It's not even buying the market. They're like, you know, I, I really think uh, this pullback that we, this, that we've seen in, in big tech, it's really a great, great buying opportunity. I look and I said, they fell like 4%. What do you mean? That's a buy on <laughs> They've gone up 100, 200% 200 over the last few years. How is that a great buying opportunity? Okay, maybe maybe it's a buying opportunity. You can, But a great buying opportunity? Yeah. That, that just seems a little excessive to yeah. me. Well, <laughs> and I will say the same thing was said during the tech boom and bust. And a lot of those people busted because <laughs> they were buying so high uh, and doing the wrong thing. Uh, actually, we've also been talking for many years. I've been talking about uh, how we only invest primarily in United States-based companies and strictly avoid anything in the Chinese market. Interesting to note that the MSCI China index is down 30% since its peak in February. 
Yeah, and I, I don't have the uh, the exact numbers on this here, so uh, I, I do know that uh, yeah, China has been a, a tough place to invest, oh, yeah. and it is something that we look at saying is you know it's just not worth the risk to us, and and as I said, it just hasn't paid off. I mean, yeah. it, it's gone nowhere. Yeah, well, I mean, looking back to the inception date of the MSCI China Stock Index in 1992, investors have earned an average annual return of 2.2%, including dividends. Now, uh, I, I hope you have been one of the investors that we have agreed with me and avoid investing in Chinese market. Uh, I, you know, I still hold strong not investing money in China, Chinese stocks. I mean, it, it, we've talked about this for years. And people, yeah, but I'm up this, I'm up on that, and so forth. Yeah, you're up now. A lot of that is gone. And, and again, it seems to be getting worse going forward for China, not yeah, better. Yeah, and I... I I do know that they've kind of seen some issues, and I, I saw Tesla is now having kind of some issues yeah. in China. Not surprised by that. And what a surprise that that Neo and the other Chinese auto auto manufacturers they're doing really well there. And I I just China doesn't want foreign competition. They they want their businesses to do better. So I I, I just I I worry about that. <laughs> but it's funny. I say they want their businesses to do better. But they also don't because they're a communist <laughs> country. So they want their government to do better. Is that the end result yeah, that they're striving and, for. And they don't want competition because they want to own those companies. And and again, a little secret here, China is a communist country. Uh, it's not a free capitalist society. It is a communist country and they want to have the benefits and the growth of capitalism, but they still want to control those companies, which they do. I mean, uh, and by the way, where's Jack Ma? Yeah. I you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, you get too big, they're going to shut you down. They're going to take things away. Um, so I, I would have zero dollars invested in uh, China. And again, check these uh, emerging market indexes, these foreign uh, mutual funds and ETFs. I'm sure they have something in China. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. a large percentage of it yeah. comes from China. And, and I remember people saying, oh, but you don't get it because there's like billions and billions of people there, the consumption and so forth. Yeah, I get that part, but I don't want to be part of a communist country that controls my i mean even here look how you know here in the united states we kind of balk at things well, yeah. oh we got to get the vaccination you know being forced to it's 10 times worse there in china so um i i just do not recommend and if you have any money in, in chinese stocks i'm, I'm going to tell you I, I if you came to us we'd say uh, yeah we want to sell that yeah it's as i said it's just not worth the risk because you, you just don't know what the government's going to do. And I mean, you've kind of seen them force their hand. I mean, we, we've talked about kids in China. Nope, nope, no video games during the week and you get three hours on the weekend. That's it. Talk yeah. about the gaming and I'm talking more of the, the gambling type yeah. gaming. They came in, stepped down on that. Technology, they're stepping in on, on that. They, they can put their hand in anything they want to put their hand into, which is just such a red flag in terms yeah. of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now if they come in and they, they crack down on the company that I own? I mean, that's going to just stifle that business. Right. You know, one thing I've not seen lately, I've not seen anything on uh, the Taiwan situation. I don't know if that's just kind of cooled off or it's the... China being it? quiet. Being quiet, the, the, the quiet before the storm or whatever, I think uh, the, the saying. So hopefully that's not the case. But it just, it, China does worry me. I mean, I, I've, it's worried me for years uh, oh. because they're getting bigger. Um, they're, they're, they have money now, which they didn't have before. Um, it's something that we have to be prepared for, uh, but do not benefit China by investing in their companies. Yeah, and I, I talk about Taiwan a lot, and I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot on the show, but want to reemphasize, I mean, like Taiwan semiconductors. <clears throat> I mean, they're 
them and Samsung are, are the major chip foundries, and, and Intel's trying to kind of get into that. Throw, throw their name in the hat there, so to speak. But I, I do worry. I, I, China is not stupid. They they think Taiwan is theirs. They want to control right. Taiwan. If all of a sudden China steps into Taiwan, I'm very concerned about the global chip situation. Yeah. Unless we can actually diversify away from Taiwan <laughs> semiconductors, so that is something to keep a close eye on in terms of global politics and global business is if China starts to kind of move in. I mean, we saw Hong Kong, and all of a sudden we, we stopped kind of hearing about what's going on in Hong Kong. I, yeah. I, you know, it kind of went quiet. I worry that the same thing could happen on Taiwan as well. Yeah, yeah, you got Taiwan and Hong, Hong Kong are two areas that I think could be problems in the future, and you're right. I mean, and China would love to do that because Taiwan's semiconductor, uh, where they would control the chip market. They could control the world, yeah. and that's why we need like companies like Intel here to do more so that we're not so dependent on, on other places. That's, that's the problem, being a part of a global economy, you, you, you can't do things yourself, and, and uh, it is a situation that we have to kind of deal with. So, But uh, by the way, I'm gonna get the phone numbers because we're gonna do uh, one more topic here, and I'll make sure that people, when they call in, they can, we'll get to you, because uh, by the way, we're on from eight to nine today, so you gotta call in early, um, 866-577-2473, that's 866-577. 577-2473. That will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Speaking of calling in, uh, last week we received a call on the radio show uh, with a listener asking about the movie theater chain AMC. Well, I asked a gentleman if he had been there lately for a movie. Uh, he kind of laughed and said no. And then I realized, well, wait a minute. I've not been to an AMC movie theater since uh, pre-COVID myself. So uh, that Saturday evening, Christine and I, we headed off to the AMC movie theater in Poway uh, to see what, you know, going to that type of movie theater was like. And I have gone to other theaters. I went to the lot a couple of times, yeah. but not to an AMC or an Edwards or so forth. But uh, so, we, so we went there. And uh, I, I remember it used to be on a Friday night, Saturday night, you would go there and line to get a ticket, uh, line to get popcorn. The, the, the lobby is just jam-packed with people. Well, when I, I walked right up to the window, got my ticket, <laughs> and then the long way to the concession stand, I, I just walked up and was like, uh, can we get you know popcorn? And there, there was more workers in the movie theater than there were people in the lobby. And uh, it, it was just kind of amazing to me. And then we walked in there. Now, part of it could have been a woman sitting next to me. Hopefully, she's not listening here. <laughs> but she's eating her popcorn. It's getting all over my chair. Like, uh, okay, um, so I had to clean up the chair. But on the floor, there was like popcorn. And, and, and it just didn't look very clean. And then also, too, um, it was not full. And keep in mind, AMC did go to the bigger chairs. So I think they only have maybe 50 seats in there. Yeah, There were still a few seats open when the movie was was going. Yeah. So I, I'm concerned, and I bring this up because of, did you check to see, I know we talked about that AMC just talked about buying back stock? I did not. You did not? Okay, because I know that, I think they were going to buy back stock. I don't know, do not know why you'd want to buy one of these chains. No, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't see why people are still buying the stock other than because it's gone up tremendously. Yep. I mean, it, it's not a booming business by any means you know and i always tell people if you you buy technology companies and it trades at high valuations well at least it's a growth company it's not our value philosophy that we do at wilsey asset management it is a deferring but at least it's a philosophy you know it's (laughs) it's a growth business they're going to be growing their their earnings and and you hope that they're able to grow into that multiple 
Yeah. AMC is not a growing business. I mean, it's it's not a value business. It's not a growth business. It, it's just purely a gamble. Right. When, when, and that's all it is. AMC and GameStop, they're casino stocks is what I'm going to call them. I'm always saying casino stocks. They're not casino companies. Yeah. But it's the same thing as going to the casino right. when you're trading in these businesses. Right. And and, and again, I, I thought the theater chains would have to do something to bring people back. They're not doing it. At, at least the AMC movie theater chain that I did. Now, maybe somebody else has gone and got a different experience and so forth. We actually did a post on this on, on uh, social media to get some responses. And, and people, a lot of them seeing the same thing, saying, and again, why would I go to the movie theater when I can get almost the same movie at home streaming, and when I have to go to the bathroom, I can pause it, I can go to my kitchen, get you know ice cream, or get what I want for kind of free. Um, the movie theater chains have to do something different. I, I would not be investing. And I, th- I think AMC, maybe some of the call about, but I think it's around $35, $40 a share. Um, I, I just don't see how these chains are gonna make things to where people, especially younger people, I'm, I'm older obviously and I have great memories of being date night and going to the movie theater and had this nostalgia feeling to it I mean for you and, and people maybe in their 20s and stuff like yeah no it, uh, why should I go to, to the movie theater yeah I, I just I, I don't it's not the same thing I remember being in middle school mm-hmm. and that was a thing to do you'd go to the movies yeah you know and I, I don't think it's the same any longer I don't think kids do that I, I could be wrong I don't have a, a middle schooler or anything, so I'm not quite sure. But I, I, I don't see them in the shopping center when right. I was a kid that I would go to in Poway. It's the same AMC yeah. you went to. I remember going to that that shopping center a lot. But uh, yeah, it's definitely changed. And I, I did look up the AMC stock buyback. I didn't see anything about a buyback, but they are buying back 35 million in first lien debt. Is actually what they're buying back, which oh. is a positive. But I don't know why they have outstanding debt with all that stock they issue. They should have tons of cash. So I'll, I'll give you a clue why. They're not making any money. Yeah. <laughs> not enough people go to the movie theaters. And, and it used to be the concessions were a big thing when you make money out. You know, yeah. and, and, it, and the thing too, AMC did go to the bigger seats. Well, now there's less people there. Um, so therefore, they're buying less concessions. Brendan, you're looking over here. Like, you have a comment. I think you had a comment about the movies. Do you? I am begging for these comments. Okay, so here we go. So I went to a, a movie called The Quiet Place or something like that. I think that that's what the name of it is. Mm-hmm. And I cannot stand hearing other people eat popcorn. But even me, I was chewing popcorn. And I didn't realize how quiet this movie really was. So is I it, Was the crash. movie quiet or was the theater quiet? Which was it? Yeah, it was A Quiet Place. The movie theater's quiet. And now I'm just hearing myself crunching over and over again. And the last thing I will mention, too, sure. about the concessions is uh, AMC has... I, I've never seen a movie theater try so hard with their food either. Like, they're adding <laughs> pizza, nachos, and everything. No one's going for it. No one's buying it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. And we just want to kind of look at, uh, uh, you know, investing. And I, I was curious how the movie theaters look now. Uh, I, I will go back to the lot. The lot, there's one in La Jolla, one in uh, Sports Arena. Uh, I think it's called Sports Arena. Uh, Liberty Station. Liberty Station, that's right. Um, those are very nice, but they are expensive. Uh, uh, yeah. I would also suggest uh, Landmark Cinemas. It's owned by a uh, Dallas Maverick guy, uh, Mark Cuban. Mark Sorry. Cuban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one in Hillcrest. That's a very nice theater as well. I will okay. Say. How's Showing par- a lot of indie movies. How's there, the parking, so. though? That's a, that's always important, the parking. How's the parking down there? You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's important too. So, all right. Phone number is 866 577 
866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You know, I did want to also talk, I mean, we talked a lot about AMC and, and kind of how they were part of the short squeeze. The They called themselves the apes, the, the Reddit trade. Uh, you know, we actually did take a look at a, another company that, that got some popularity on Reddit earlier this year. Uh, and Bed Bath and Beyond, and we did that actually on our uh, YouTube channel, uh, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Uh, you know, you can go there, kind of check that out as another mm-hmm. business that we did take a look at. And I mean, they were down, gosh, about thirty percent this week. So, um, you know, we said, hey, maybe there's an opportunity here. The numbers look kind of interesting on it. You know, I've talked a little bit more about the story of what happened. So, you're interested in uh, looking at Bed Bath and Beyond? Want some good details on that? Be sure to go check out our, our YouTube channel again. That's Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilson. You can subscribe there for our Smart Investing Weekly Stock Analysis, where we're breaking down uh, different companies uh, that, that are quite popular in the news. As I said, Bed Bath & Beyond was a big, big mover this past week, so want to take a closer look at that. I will say it is Weekly Stock Analysis, a little secret we missed last week because we were preparing for our investment symposium, <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> ah, it not weekly. Almost weekly. Almost Majority weekly. weekly. We, we, we try very hard, so we, we'll do that. But again, if they subscribe, they'll know for sure when we do it. Yep. And don't forget to tell your friends and neighbors and relatives about it as well so they can do it as well. Because again, we, we give a pretty good analysis and we try to help people understand more about investing. Yep. That's what we're trying to do. All right. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Let's go up to, wow, uh, let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Carl. Carl, you're in the Smart <coughs> Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? <clears throat> yes, uh, Bonanza Creek Energy, B-C-E-I. It's a small uh, oil company with 190 employees. Oh, wow. That is pretty small. And, and I remember... And, what's that? I remember taking a look at this. Do they make money? Yeah, I remember taking a look at this a while ago, and the numbers looked really, really, really good, good on huh? it quite a, quite a while ago. I'm curious to see how things look as the energy market's kind of changed. And, and Carl, do you hold this or looking to buy it? I was thinking buying it, and uh, I made some money on the XOP, on the Oil Explorer, and I got out, but it seems to go higher, the oil. So I came across that uh, BCEI, but it's such a small company, and they even pay a dividend. Yeah, well, let's take a look at uh, Bonanza Creek Energy. Their symbol is BCEI. They are in the industry of oil and gas, E&P. Uh, I do see uh, short uh, shares, about 11.9%. Not too bad, but that could be a little issue going forward if that gets much higher. Uh, we do see a P.E. ratio of 23.9. That's better than the industry at 100+. plus. We do see price of sales, 3.3. That's more expensive than the industry at 2.7. Price of tangible book value looking very good. It's 1.1 for Bonanza Creek, but yet the industry is at 4.4. Uh, price of cash flow checks in at 6.8. That's also been the industry at 7. And then a peg ratio going forward, 0.5 versus 3.1. And you like a low peg ratio, and they've got that. Looking at their earnings per share growth uh, for the last year, it's growing at 6.8% for Bonanza Creek. That's not as good as the industry at 69%. However, sales for the one-year change, they have increased by 49.6%, which is better than the industry at 158 uh, they do pay a dividend, a dollar forty dividend. The industry about about dollar thirty six. The yield, I'm, I thought it'd be higher than this, but it's two point nine percent versus two point two. But what's great about this is they only use about seventeen percent of their earnings to pay that out. Now we do see that on the balance sheet, you got a current ratio of 0.6 versus one point seven. That could be a problem because that's not a lot of liquidity. It's not terrible, 
but you want to see how their cash flow is doing, uh, how much cash do they really have, because that's kind of kind of low. I, I I like to have at least you know 0 0.8, 0 0.9, and then again they're at 0.6 or about 60 percent. Debt to equity, however, does look good. It is 20% versus 70% for the industry. We do see a net profit margin of 10.9%, well above the industry at 1.5. We have return on equity of 2.8%, not quite as good as the industry at 4.8. Chase, what do you got going forward for uh, Bonanza Creek Energy? Yeah, so taking a look here at the current price, $49.04. Uh, 52-week high, $50.98. And, and gosh, I don't remember how long ago we looked at this. I, I remember it being a while ago. Um, but I, I just remember the numbers looking pretty good. It was just too small for us, so we, we, we couldn't buy it at our firm. But the 52-week low here, $15.88. So, I mean, it's done tremendously. Year-to-date, it's up about 158%. I mean, it's been a very, very strong gainer here and actually grown into not too small of a company as the market cap's grown to about, I think, $1.5 billion. So it's not super small, Carl. I, I wouldn't be worried about the size of that. Uh, I did look up what they do as well because I, I was curious exactly on the energy side, but they do oil and natural gas. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm there curious on the breakdown of how much their business is nat gas because we've seen that price spike tremendously. And I don't think that price is going anywhere through the end of this year due to the supply constraints. And also, if we have a cold winter, gosh, I, uh, to be frank, I, I don't know what we're going to do. I, yeah. I think you're going to see nat gas prices climb even further, which you know could benefit a company like this. Yeah, and you do want to find out how much of natural gas they actually have. That's very important. Could be 5%, could be 50%. Uh, do they have earnings going forward? Yeah, and I look out to December 2022. I, I will say I... Quite pleasantly surprised here with the five analysts. You know that's mm -hmm. a that's a good good number. Most of the time, you know, I don't like to see anything less than five. Five, yeah. I, I'm I'm okay with, especially for a company this size. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's why I was a little bit surprised. I will point out the discrepancy here between the low and the high. Whew. Low is four dollars and seventy eight cents, and the high eleven dollars and eighty one cents does give us an average estimated earnings per share is $7.79. I mean, that gives us a target sell price of $129.31. So that looks very attractive. I, I just don't know how likely that sell price is. And, and, and the range of those estimates could be because of them betting on what's going to happen this winter. Yep. That's cold back east and people use a lot more natural gas before heating their homes. Uh, that will increase the price of natural gas. Maybe we could see that seven, eight dollars uh, a that British British BTUs, I think, or a million BTUs or something. I forget how they measure it. But um, that's that could really make a big change. If we have a warm winter back east uh, through the Midwest, well, it probably won't push natural gas up as much. So that's what you're kind of bidding on here. Uh, but uh, again, you, it, it's, it's not something I would feel comfortable with it because that range is so high. But I'm not going to say, Carl, I'm not going to say it's a bad investment. Yeah. And I, I, I know you already told us, Carl, but did you say you hold it here? No, uh, I was, um, uh, I sold XOP, the okay. Oil Explorer ETF, yeah. and I made a little bit money on there. And then I looked at other oil companies and uh, I came across that little one here. <laughs> and yeah. uh, because it is so little, so small, uh, I'm wondering if, uh, if they really will stay in business, you know. 
Yeah, I'm not so, worried about them going out of business. Yeah. The debt to equity is quite strong, but uh, you know, I I don't think I'd get in at this price. It, I, I'd be patient. You might miss it to be frank, but I I think you are going to see. I mean, we've seen Nat Gas kind of move around pretty heavily this yeah. last week. Um, so I I'd be patient with it. Watch a little bit more. Do it a little bit more research. But as Brent said, I I, I think there's some potential there with this company. Yeah. A little bit worried about the yeah. the quick ratio, yep. the current ratio. Uh, check the cash flow. And then also to check to see how much again their they their business derives from natural gas. I mean, if it's high amount, okay. yeah. we, and uh-huh. we have a cold winter, this this stock right now what forty nine. We can see it. I'm going to say maybe seventies or eighties. Yeah. If you have a cold winter, Becky. So all right, Carl. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you for calling. You have a good one. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. <clears throat> oh, did you have something? Oh, okay, no. All right. Well, well let's go uh, <clears throat> out to uh, San Diego and speak with David. David, you're in the smart vegetable brand chase. How can we help you? Hi. Good morning. Uh, I was interested in your comments on Bank of Nova Scotia BNS, and uh, they just uh, had pretty good quarterly earnings uh, growth year over year, and see uh, what you think about it. Okay. <clears throat> and David, do you hold that or looking to buy it? Yes, I, I've held it for some time, uh, have a fair profit in it, but thinking, well, maybe invest a little more in it. Okay. Well, let's take a look at Bank of Nova Scotia. Their symbol is BNS. I do see it in, they're in the industry of a regional bank, so they're not a big money center bank. They're a small regional bank. Uh, I do see 55% uh, is owned by the institutional side. Uh, a pretty good start here on the valuations. P.E. ratio is 11. That's below the industry at 12.7. Price to sales, however, is higher than the industry, 3.1 versus 2.1. Price to tangible book value, 2 versus 1.5. And then price to cash flow, not material for Bank of Nova, of, uh, Nova Scotia, versus 1.6 for the industry. Now, you do have a good peg ratio of 0.8 versus 3.7, so that's a positive. Looking at the earnings, we do see for the uh, one-year change, they've increased by 27.2% for Bank of Nova Scotia, which is very good, but the industry is up 63.3. For the last five years, up 5%, which also is below the industry at 15.1. Now, the sales uh, the sales for the last year down 1.2%, industry up 6.1%, and five-year change on sales is 4.2% versus 0.3%. So I think a good number there is for the five-year sales growth, but kind of disappointed in the earnings growth. I wish that was a little bit higher. Looking at the dividend, they do pay a dividend, a $2.81 dividend. That gives you a nice yield of 4.6%, and they only use 63.5% of the earnings to pay that out. However, the industry does have a payout ratio of only 24%, but I'm, I'm okay with a 63% payout ratio. I think that'd be fine. We also do see that they have a current ratio. Well, it's a bank, so no current ratio. Uh, debt to equity, 10% versus 140% for the industry. So that's good. Not a lot of uh, 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 debt there they have. Net profit margin looking pretty good, 28.8 versus 21.4. Return on equity is 12.5 versus 9.5. And um, I, I'm kind of kind of mixed on this. It depends, I think, what you come up with the numbers going forward, Chase. Yeah, so we'll start here with the current price for the Bank of Nova Scotia. It's $62.18. <laughs> the 52-week high here, $68.02. And the 52-week low is 
and twenty-eight cents. So I, I I see here the year-to-date return up about nineteen percent. It, it's done pretty well. I know financials have kind of started. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say a, a nice little run here, and I I, I do like the financial sector. Uh, now, not too familiar with the Bank of Nova Scotia. Not not quite sure exactly what their products look like. What their kind of lending targets are. Who, who what businesses or consumers they're they're trying to attract there. But uh, I, I do like the financial sector, and I, I do see that going forward that the, they're, they're trading in a very reasonable valuation. I say that because the estimated earnings per share in October 2022, $6.28 would give us a target sell price of $104.25. I mean, it trades at a forward PE of uh, about, call it 10. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean very, very attractive there. Uh, I like the valuations on it, David. I, I just I don't know enough about the Bank of Nova Scotia to feel super comfortable Right. with the investment and chase that's a good uh, thing to look at uh, david because you want to understand what this how they get their business from because they can be very reliant on we'll say car loans because they're they're not a big money center bank and big money center banks can do like uh offerings debt issues and do a lot of other things where generally your regional banks would do your credit cards your home loans and mm-hmm. bank uh car loans and stuff like that uh well we know we're seeing from the car company saying they're having a hard time getting cars well if they're not getting cars to uh, sell, then the car loans will go down. So you really want to understand uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, what is their, how do they make their money? It's a lot from car loans, is it from home loans? We also think that home loans could be kind of over the next year or so slowing down as we see rates increase. So um, it's something you want to be kind of careful here with. And I'm also curious too, is Bank of Nova Scotia, are they in Canada? Because Nova Scotia is, I think, in Canada. So I'm kind of curious on that, where their, their locations are. All righty. Okay. Thanks much. Okay, David. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, uh, I know we've kind of liked the banks and actually they they went up because actually the 10-year treasury, I'm sure you saw this week, uh, went above 1.5%, which is positive for banks, but you got to be careful um, also, too, it doesn't go too high too quick because I think that could turn a negative for banks. Yeah, and I, I do know it pulled back a little bit, but it is hovering around one five, and I, I continue to think you could see it spike even further to you know one seven five by the end of the year. I, I think that's where we'll see it end in the by the end of the year is about one five to one seven five is mm-hmm. within that range. Yeah, I I'm still holding my two percent range. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I just think time's that, ticking. Time's We're ticking. in October. Ah, we still got plenty of time. We got three, to, months. three months. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but, uh, maybe it'll come out 1.9. So right we'll in the middle. see. <laughs> All right, T let's go back to the calls here. Let's go back up to Oceanside and speak with Michael. Michael, you're on the smart invest show, Brent Chase. How can I help you? How are we doing? I'm looking at, um, AMRS, kind of a leading edge, uh, manufacturer of synthetic molecules for, they have a sugar replacement product that's uh, been selling fairly well and cosmetics, uh, squalene replacement. Oh, and you said sugar replacement product. like uh... Yeah, they, 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 make a, uh, they make a number of different products that basically taste like sugar. They're made from sugar, so mm-hmm. it's not a chemical per se. I mean, it's synthetically made, and it's diabetic-friendly. And then they also do um, cosmetics, which are, as you may or may not know, are not made from the greatest stuff. Right, <laughs> right. I know, because we got uh, 
uh, I mean, saccharin and all these other ones that have been for years. And I think yeah. there's about four or five different ones you can use now on the table. I'll say that's an interesting mix. Sugar yeah. and cosmetics. I think it all revolves it around 10. chemical. I bought it at around 10, and it made a run to 20. Um, and there's some good news in the pipeline, and I think now it's currently sitting at around 14 or something. So. All right. Well, well, let's take a look. I, I think the company's called Amaris is the way I'm going to say it. Yep. yep. Okay. Right. Symbol A-M-R-S. I, I do say, again, they're mm-hmm. the special chemistry, chemicals industry, which is sugar, cosmetics, everything else, I guess. Uh, we do see only 10.4% uh, shares on float. Uh, institutional ownership, about uh, 47%. Now, disappointing here, and I look at the valuation ratios, the only one that I see is price to sales at 10.5, which is well above the industry at 2.1. So there's no price to earnings, no PE ratio, uh, no price to book value, no price to cash flow. So it kind of tells me perhaps they have no book value, they have no cash flow, and they have no earnings, which means this is more of a speculative company that hopefully these things you're talking about uh, come through. Uh, So there's no change on earnings going forward. Now here's the bright side you're probably looking at. For the one-year change on their sales, they're up 156%, well above the industry at 55.8. And they do have a five-year sales growth of 44% versus 12.6. So that is good. Uh, we do not see no, there's no dividend, uh, no buybacks or actually issuing, issuing shares. On the balance sheet, very important with these type of companies, you do have a good current ratio of 3.7 versus 1.9. Uh, no debt to equity because I don't believe they have any equity, which would scare me somewhat. Uh, we do see intangible assets are about 2.7% versus 37%. So not a lot of intangibles, which is good. Uh, we do see a net profit margin. Yep, a negative 119% versus a positive 6.7. So the company's still losing money with these, we'll call it exploratory products that they're, they're coming out with. Uh, we do see a uh, net profit margin. Oh, no, I just did that. Uh, but return to equity, wow, 398 versus 8.4. And I'd really want to look at the balance sheet because it doesn't look like they have equity, but then they have return on equity. So there's something on that that's a little bit strange. Uh, Chase, what do you got? Any numbers going forward on this one? Yeah, just looking here to start with on the current price sheet, you were right there. Um, current price is around 14 The exact $13.91. 52-week high was $23.42. 52-week low, well, that was a dollar. And 88 cents. So it's definitely exploded off that low there. Year to date up about 125%. The one year return, 347%. So I I, I think um, perhaps some of their products are are gaining some steam here, gaining some approval. And I I mean, that's really what I think this is going to come down to is how they expand, obviously. Because I look for there's no estimated earnings for 2022. So can't derive a target sell price on it. Uh, it, it is going to be based off of perhaps them wanting some contracts and, and maybe getting some uh, further approvals on on their their research there. So it, it's it, I know it's not a biotech company, but it's kind of I think going to trade like a biotech where it's yeah. going to be dependent on well are these items going to come through for the business and are they going to be able to you know kind of gain steam and, and generate sales. Uh, what about earnings going forward? I said no <clears throat> earnings. Oh, no earnings going forward. Okay. So then, uh, yeah. So this is one that, again, is very speculative. We would not buy it in our portfolio. I mean, you're still up on it. Um, it's just so hard to, to, to see how this is going to uh, do going forward because you're speculating on these products they have. And I think you said it was up, uh, you had it at 20. Actually, the high was, you said, what, 23.42, now at 13. Yeah. 
this becomes a hard part because now you kind of feel like the price will go back to 20 and it could go back down to five or six. So yeah. very speculative there, uh, uh, Michael. Michael? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, so yeah. So it, it's speculative. If you want to take take the ride with it, uh, you can do that. But it's just uh, for us to be too yeah, speculative. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a portion of my speculative, you know, it, it uh I agree with you. You know, I don't have a lot of these, but this one kind of looked good. I went in for a hundred shares at, you know, at 900 bucks and, and, uh, you know, if it takes off, I'm willing to sit on it for a while, see what happens. You know, it kind of fulfills that gambling. This one's kind of a gamble. I got uh, the rest of it's in more dividend. You know, I'm a retiree, so I probably have the majority of it in, in good solid blue chip dividends right now, industrials and uh, <clears throat> you know some other things like that that are that are pretty solid. You know some Exxon and I got uh, you know a lot of other stocks. I got SRE, you know yeah. Sempra. And yeah, you got solid you, stuff. Yeah, and th- this was just like, the, the to fulfill <laughs> the gambling need that you have in that little gambling yeah. itch there. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael, well, good luck to you on that one, and uh, you kind of know the the rules are on it, so uh, good luck with it. Yeah. All right, take care. Thanks. Okay, bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And I look over, and it's time to talk about uh, financial planning with uh, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How you doing? Good morning, guys. Doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. I, I heard now you're traveling to Dallas uh, here. Is that where you're at now, <laughs> Dallas? I know. Every time I meet somebody new, they're like, oh, you're the guy that travels all the time. And now I'm in <laughs> Dallas. So. <laughs> well, I, 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 I used to love Dallas. It's still beautiful. How's things in Dallas real quick? It's nice. It's uh, it, it rained a little bit yesterday. I think it might rain today. Um, it's more humid here than San Diego, but um, this actually is a a little bit of a vacation. Usually when I'm out of town, I'm just visiting family. So it, it's not really a vacation, but this, we had some flight credits that were expiring. So I had to go somewhere close and cheap. So this is how I ended up in Dallas. Yeah. Well, I, I think Dallas uh, used to be pretty good. I have good, good memories of Dallas. So, but uh, I, I know today you're going to talk about the changes coming to Roth accounts. Well, what's, what's uh, the changes going on here? So um, all because Congress figured out that Peter Thiel had $5 billion in his Roth IRA, they think that Roth accounts are some huge loophole that the rich people exploit all the time to become more rich and avoid taxes and everything. So they think that if they crack down on Roth, that uh, they'll solve everybody's problems, which I don't think is true at all. But there are some proposals that are being talked about and um, could become law here as they're trying to get some of these uh, these spending packages pushed through. So um, one of the pieces is they want to do away with after-tax contributions to traditional IRAs and then the ability to convert those after-tax contributions over to Roth. So um, this would do away with backdoor Roth IRAs and also mega backdoor Roth IRAs. So basically if your income is too high, um, which isn't really that high for, from a threshold perspective, but they would do away with the ability to convert uh, those after-tax dollars over into a Roth, um, which again, backdoor Roth IRAs would be no more. Uh, if that does go into play, it looks like this year you could still do it, 2021, but starting in 2022, would not be able to do that anymore. Um, the second part that they're talking about is doing away with conversions 
uh, for people with taxable incomes, married couples above $450,000 and single people, taxable income over $400,000. Now, that one, uh, I don't think it's as big of a deal because if your taxable income is at that level, you're already in uh, close to the highest tax bracket. So conversion might not make as much sense anyway. Sorry to interrupt you, Harrison. You know, I, yeah. are, are they stupid? Do they not want tax revenue when you, when you convert <laughs> your, your money from a traditional to a Roth at that high tax bracket? You get the money now. Why, why would they take yeah, away that? These, uh, it's crazy. These people have no idea how taxes work. They just try to find ways to increase revenue and then close loopholes and all that. But they don't actually know how it works. They don't read these bills that they create. So, um, yeah, I've also heard that uh, they want to do with away with Roth conversions altogether. I don't think that itself will be done, and at least I hope not. But um, conversions above a certain income threshold, I, it's possible. Um, again, I... From a planning perspective, I, I think it's okay because you don't really want to convert at that level. But I, I don't like the, the fact that they're trying to crack down on regulations with that. Um, so those are two, two, uh, two of the things that might come through. Again, I, I hope neither of it does. I hope none of the stuff goes through, but it is, it is something to keep a, an eye out for. And, and Harrison, I got to say too, because I do kind of warn people down the road 20, 30 years that I think the government will find some way to tax these Roth IRAs because like, wow, there's billions and billions and hundreds of billions of dollars in these Roth IRAs. And people say, oh, the government can never do that. I, I think we're starting to see the beginning of this by them taking away these little things now saying, oh, well, here's some revenue, even though we kind of point out that they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot, but that they will yeah. change things because, oh, the rich people have that. That's not fair. That's what worries me when these Roth conversions where you convert and you pay the taxes, but then you might take it out 20 years down the road. I believe, and I'm sorry, I, I don't trust the government, that the government could tax those Ross down the way. Some way they're going to do that. So, I, I definitely think it's a possibility, and it's too bad because they say that this is something against the rich, but this is something that everyday Americans use to benefit yeah. their own financial situation. So, um, But, yeah, even if it's not a direct tax on it, I, I mean, a wealth tax could could indirectly do it or some other crafty way that they – you know, hasn't been talked about yet. Um, it is possible. That yeah. And I, I do want to say too, with Peter um, Thiel, it was just such a, a unique situation where I think he used like his personal shares in PayPal yeah. pre IPO yeah. and it just exploded. Yeah. And, and that's how it grew to such an exorbitant amount. And that is one man. And now they're trying to change the entire tax code just because one guy was able to do it. And they already kind of cut off that loophole that he used to generate that type of wealth. And that's what concerned yeah. me, as he said, as it spreads from, oh, Peter Thiel did this, and now we got to crack down. And as he said, it, it affects everyday Americans rather than just somebody that's already a billionaire anyways. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And with the Peter Thiel thing, I looked at the, the amount he contributed relative to what it grew to. And in order to get that type of growth, his annual return was over 100%. I mean, PayPal became a massive company and, and, and everything. So, yeah, it's Oh, these rich people, uh, Peter Thiel, uh, billionaires. And, you know, it's just there's no connection between what he did and what current people are doing with, with using those types of accounts. So and, I, I think it's terrible. Yeah. And actually, what the government does is that they keep lowering the level of what they consider rich people. Uh, and here in California, it's very difficult because to afford a home, you have to be quote unquote rich to afford a home compared to the rest of the nation. So you kind of get 
hurt here in California. This is why you need a good financial planner on how to get around things. So yeah. you're not going to round things, but how to deal with things. Yeah. yeah so, well, Harrison, right. uh, we're going to let you get back to, to your uh, uh, vacation there. Uh, thanks for that. Are you in the office on Monday? Yes, I am. All right. Well, we'll see you on Monday. Enjoy your vacation. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Monday. Okay. All right. So that is Harrison Johnson, our CFP, our financial planner at Wilsey Asset Management. You want to talk to him, give him a call at the office at 858-546-4306. Again, that's 858-546-4306. Or visit the website smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can do a free consultation with him to see what your situation looks like, to see if financial planning can benefit you and many times it is to tell people compare you might already have a financial planner but compare the differences kind of like when you go shopping for a car compare the differences so yep all right let's get back to the phones here gosh we got a lot, a lot of backed up here um let's go to san diego and speak with tim tim you're on the smart investor brent chase okay we just actually out? hung up i'm sorry oh shoot we just lost tim okay and, just, and we lost carlos too and we lost carlos too okay well the next thing i was going to do is go to the facebook side because Perfect. um yeah facebook. yeah we, we got frederick here yeah. I, I see he wants us to comment on uh and i always <laughs> kind of like this company bristol myers bristol myers squid right. bmy is that ticker symbol uh says it's down 11 percent the last month what do we think uh thank you all right well, let's take it to brister Bristol Myers Squibb, uh, symbol is BMY. Uh, we do see, oh, I got the wrong wrong information here. Let me kind of slide to the top here. Uh, let's see. Okay, so then the industry of drug manufacturers general, as they're called, not much float in this stock at all. It's only 0.9%. It is owned by institutions. About 76% of the shares are owned by institutions. Now, I am surprised here, no PE ratio versus 297 for the industry. Price of sales looks good at three versus four. Price to tangible book value, nothing for them and nothing for the industry. And price to cash flow, 10.7 for Bristol Miles versus 14.7 for the industry. I do see a peg ratio of 1.1 versus 1.5, so that's positive. Looking at their earnings per share growth, no growth for the one year or the five year. Uh, sales growth, now sales were up 12.7% for the past year versus 8.2. And their five year sales growth is 19.1% well above the industry at 3.1. So they're doing some good things here with the uh, growth of the sales. Looking at the dividend, uh, they do pay $1.96 uh, per share dividend. Uh, the yield, 3.3%. That's just slightly above the industry at three. Uh, no dividend payout ratio because they have no earnings. And this is something you gotta find out why there's no earnings because perhaps it's accounting right off. Something happened here to cause that because they got nice sales growth and you don't want that dividend cut because their earnings are not doing well. Uh, we do see they have buyback shares, though, 3.4% was what we call the buyback yield versus 0.7%. Look at the balance sheet. I uh, got a current ratio of 1.5. That is the same as the industry. Debt to equity, 130% versus 140%. I'm okay with that debt to equity of 130% uh, if they've got good cash flow and, and, and everything else. Uh, looking at the uh, net margin, well, here it is. Profit margin, a negative 11.4 versus a positive 14.2. So they did take some write-offs. Return on equity is also a negative 13.8 versus a positive 22.3. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? And I do want to say on the earnings side, I'm willing to bet it has something to do with uh, mergers and acquisitions. And I, I mean, this company- with them? Do you remember? I just know they, they're <clears throat> heavily involved with buying other companies. Gosh, a few years ago, I remember they had a huge acquisition. And I, I just look at their 
their intangibles as a percentage of their total asset, about 62%. So I'm just, again, speculating here, but going with my conviction, a lot of goodwill here. I'm guessing that the lack of earnings has to do with write-downs associated with uh, different acquisitions or potentially integration costs as well. Yeah, Sometimes it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of expense (laughs) to get that rolling. But uh, let's take a look at the numbers going forward for Bristol-Myers, see how the valuations look on that side. To begin, I do want to take a look at the current price of $59.51. has fallen from the 52-week high, as Frederick said, at $69.75, and kind of close to the low of $56.75 year-to-date. Pretty much gone nowhere. It's down 1.8%. Now, going forward, Bristol-Myers, looks like December 2022, they're estimated to make $8.03. And nice, nice pot of analysts here at 18, the range, not too bad. The low 747, the high 865. I, I, again, based on that average estimate earnings of $8.03, we get a target of $133.30. Valuation side for Bristol-Myers looks very, very strong. Hmm. So I, I, I think it's intriguing. The debt to equity was a little bit beyond where I like to see it. Um, but uh, from a value standpoint, Looks interesting, but again, you got to understand what's going on with those trailing 12 months of earnings. And I know we've looked at this company a couple times ourselves, and I, I forget why we just kind of back away I think from it. it's the it. intangibles. The intangibles, yeah, because it is a high intangibles. And again, could be a lot of goodwill because uh, they have done a lot of acquisitions, but there still could be something here. We, we yeah. have bought other companies with high intangibles because it was so strong. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say we're going to buy this next week. But I'm saying this, this one still, I, I just have a, I like what I'm seeing, but I'd want to understand the intangibles more because if they're good, strong, intangible assets that are, we don't see any write downs coming through. I mean, this, this could be a, a, a good long-term buy here. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. So I, I think there's some potential to say the least. Yeah. Well, I looked over and everybody hung up on us. I mean, I, I guess we weren't patient. <laughs> I, I guess maybe we, we knew that the the hours coming to a close here. Yeah, and and actually, I, I know some people call, you know, waiting in line for groceries or the drive through or something, so they, they hung up. But we, we do have a few minutes, and I think that uh, Carlos, I think, was holding the longest. Oh, no, it was Tim. I was going to go to Tim. So uh, let, let, let's go back. I, I know Tim hung up already. But he wanted to look at, uh, let's see, the symbol was FLMN. So let's just take a look at that for him. Hopefully he's still listening here. Um, oh, i got to put the symbol in right or else it doesn't work very good. Looks yeah. like it's Falcon, Mater- or excuse me, not materials, Falcon Minerals Corporation. Yes, yes. And I, I did pull it up before we went to him. Um, and I did kind of have some interest in that because minerals and stuff or something that could be doing good going forward. It, well, I, I do see that it is uh, Falcon Materials. Minerals, uh, yeah. But but uh, they are in the material. They're not in the material industry. They're in the oil and gas EP Interesting. industry. Yeah, so they're not really materials or minerals. Uh, I guess you could consider oil and gas a mineral, mm-hmm. I guess. Yep. Um, anyways, uh, shares float to very low 1.6%. Institutional ownership, 63%. No PE ratio. We do have a price to sales that's high, 4.8 versus 2.7. Price to book, 1.8 versus 2. We do see price of cash flow 7.7 versus 7, and your peg ratio 5.6 versus 3.1. Now, you want that lower than higher, so that's not good uh, for Falcon Materials. Uh, They have no uh, earnings per share growth over the last year. Uh, Sales only for the one year up 12.7 versus 15.8. They do pay a dividend. This is probably what attracts people, which I want to be very careful here. They have a 12% dividend yield. 
Wow. We know that cannot be sustainable with what they're they're showing on their earnings and so forth. So I think that will probably be cut, if not eliminate down the road. We also see on the balance sheet, current ratio 1.7, same as the industry. Debt to equity is only 30%. That's good versus 70% for the industry. Net profit margin, again, losing. Uh, it's a negative 5.7% versus a positive 1.5. And return on equity is a negative 2 versus 4.8. Do you have anything on the earnings for this uh, Falcon Materials? Yeah, so looking at uh, Falcon Minerals, the, the current price is $5.02. 52-week high here, $5.39. And wow, 52-week low, $1.82. Gosh, that means if you bought it at $1.82, your dividend yield is crazy <laughs> high. Yeah, very high, yeah. <laughs> but I did also look at what this business does, and they actually own the uh excuse me they acquire and own the mineral royalty and overriding royalty interest in oil and natural gas properties so i wonder if they're getting the royalties Royalties. from these which is why they're passing along i do wonder if it is a special dividend though i I don't know if it's a reoccurring 12 percent yield that that just seems to be exorbitantly high especially based where that price was but i i look forward on this business uh estimated earnings in 2022 december 2022 34 cents Gives us a target sell price of $5.64, so still above that current level. But again, I think this is going to hinge quite heavily off natural gas, which could go higher. But uh, I, I don't know. I, it's just weird. Whenever I see a 12% yield, uh, it's, it's too good to be true. Yeah. And the other thing I don't like, too, is could that be too good to be true. They, they don't actually manufacture, produce things. They're actually basing off of royalties. Now, what the problem with that I see is lawsuits. Eventually, oh, you're not really entitled to those, and oh, we're going to fight on this, and all of a sudden they start spending money to defend. You know, I've seen that with like patents and stuff like that. You start spending money to defend those. So I, I'm, I'm just not excited. They, they get money out for royalties. I'd rather have them actually pumping out oil. This is a very small company too. It's just a market cap of 408 million. Uh, so again, you divide that by. I'm just going to do it easy uh, by five because that's about right. where they were trading, and it puts you at less than 100 million dollars. Market cap is where they were at just uh, 52 weeks ago. Yeah, and, it, and you just got to be very careful of those companies because they can do extremely well and you can make a lot of money off them, or they can be gone, and then they go from trading the big board to the pink sheets and you never hear about them again. And and, and then you got that, that lack of a market where you got all these shares and you can't sell them because nobody wants them. So Yeah. And uh, you may think it's worth something, but uh, I talked to somebody the other day, they go, well, yeah, it was worth like uh, uh, $10 a share but I can't sell them. I go, well, that's not worth $10 a share. It's worth zero. If nobody wants them, it's not worth $10 a share. It's like saying my house is worth $2 million, but people only give me a million dollars for it. I don't get it. Right. I mean, your house is worth $1 million. (laughs) You know, it's funny how now, just as an example, you use a million dollar house as an example. (laughs) You used to be like, well, my house is worth $400,000. Things have changed and they will continue to change. (laughs) Yeah. All righty. Well, I can see Brandon and their accountant. I got one second. There we go. There's a closing bell. I knew it was coming up. So thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Uh, stay, no, stay tuned. Uh, actually, the closing song is performed by uh, uh, Roman Palacios of uh, Frank Sinatra's My Way. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. I did all that. And I
This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.